but they're they're motivated the same way we are. They want to make a difference, yeah. um, and they're willing to work, but they need to be communicated with. And, yeah. Um, you, you Circling all the way back around to the whole point of this conversation. Really? Welcome again to It Doesn't Take a Genius, conversation with introspective perspectives and pithy points of view. Here are your hosts, my friends, Max and Marty. I think that's Mark and Mike. Well, uh, I'd like to welcome our fans, both of you, to uh, this podcast. And, uh, you know, just go ahead and acknowledge up front that uh, nobody yelled out my last name in a high-pitched voice instead of Mike Marshall uh, being across uh, the uh, Ethernet and Internet from me. I have my good friend Matthew Bramer. Hello, Matthew. Hello, Mark. How are you, man? Ah, it is. It has been way too long since you and I have uh, been able to see each other's faces and talk. So this That's is true. super cool. Yes. And, I, and I'll explain to the audience. Um, you, you and I go way back. Uh, we were on the Ford project together, and yes. um, I and every other individual found you to be uh, just a phenomenal human being, and uh, just a lot of fun to get to see at uh, conferences and uh, get mm-hmm. to learn from. Uh, but that's not why I have you on the podcast today. Okay. Oh, not not just because you're a great guy. Um, you have a background. Uh, you And I guess I'll explain the whole thing, but you had a stint with National Hot Rod Association, correct? Yes. Yeah. And how long were you there? I, I did. Uh, I did work in the NHRA for about a dozen years or so. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I did not realize it was that long. Okay. Yeah, I, I started with um, one particular team and I was doing, um, I did their sponsor development. We put together a whole sponsor program and then I ran that program. That led to more uh, sponsorship, public relations, uh, media relations, sponsor development, media coaching, um, all of um, those different things. Uh, I actually managed a whole division within the NHRA. You can see there's a back behind me here. I've got a couple of Wally's up on the, on the wall there that, nice. uh, that we won as a, as a team. So yeah, definitely NHRA is a part of my world. All right. So, so I knew about that PR background with, uh, with hot rods. Right. And then you and I met through uh, work where we go in and work with clients, a lot of automotive, but a lot of yes. other things too, um, helping clients uh, with organization development and coaching and facilitation uh, improvement. And now uh, for the last, what, how many years you've been at Baylor? This is my, this is my fourth year. Uh, and, I've been here since COVID really started. Yeah. Got it. And, and uh, teaching, writing, public relations, writing, journalism, right. writing, but a lot of PR there too. Uh, PR and advertising is really this, this semester I'm teaching, um, a mass communications course. I'm teaching uh, the principles of advertising and public relations. Um, and I'm also teaching using uh, artificial intelligence in uh, mass communication. So okay. that's kind of the, the whole world there. Which, which is uh, Mike Marshall's pet project is artificial intelligence. So he's going to be jealous that I'm talking about this. But um, <laughs> so so I really wanted to talk about, you know, the point of all of this is that um, I want to hear your thoughts about the connection points between public relations and how you go about helping an organization improve all the organization development work that that people like us do and every organization in the world is out there trying to do trying to get better trying to to continuously improve and there are some learnings from PR so um so that's what I want to talk to you about 
And and I want to just start the conversation with uh, just uh, something that may be so simplistic, but I think a lot of people don't understand it. My, I remember my mom uh, saying, you know, well, what you do is just a smoke screen. You know, my, my PR career when I first started, mom just couldn't see it as anything other than spin doctor. You know, right, right. that was how she saw it. But it, so so how would you just for our audience, how would you define public relations? What is it? Wow, yeah, that's that's such a that's that's a huge question, and there's I've got books up back here written yeah. on those subjects. Um, but for me, it's about um, maintaining relationships with they call them publics, which are different yeah. stakeholders yeah. Um, between a, a company or an entity and those publics, and and whether it's media, whether it's um, a, a group of uh, a group of investors, whether it's internal, it's all public relations. It's all it's all building relationships and it's communication. Um, so I, I don't have a I should probably have a specific. This is public relations, but it's so many different things to so many different people. Yeah. Um, well, it, it, and I love uh, I love how you brought up the publics because that was the thing that that uh, really sealed the deal for me in college when I said, Oh, this is what I want to do because it's like, you know, I am going to manage communication for people, but it's for the sake of relationships with the publics. That's yes. why it's called public relations. And it could be like you said, you know, it's internal with the employees, it's external with customers and the community that you live in and the government and the investors. And there, I mean, there's just so many different uh, folks you have to think about uh, yeah. how you're going to go to market and, and communicate with them. So, yes. Um, Okay. That is, that is a super helpful, I think, softball intro to Thank the you. whole concept for anybody <laughs> listening. Um, and it, you know, what I found, um, and I'm guessing that since you're still in this world, uh, you feel the same way, but it is a fascinatingly complex thing that you have to do to think about PR strategy oh. and the mindset of PR. So um, I, I, I guess I'd, I'd like you to, you know, wax eloquently, you know, just, you know, no pressure, but just make sure this is golden. Um, could you tell us uh, how does that intersect with uh, the kind of interventions that you and I might do uh, going into or to an organization? So, sure. you know, you're managing all these publics and communicating. That's what PR is. And there's a strategy behind that and planning behind that. But how does that show up in the kind of work that people like us do? Uh, wow. It, it really, if if you take the work like people, the people like us do is really helping managers be more successful, right? Or helping yeah. people be more successful. If we take managers, let's say, um, I, I can give you an example. So I was working with one particular client and they were going to let a person go, all yeah. right? They, they, it, they, they had to part ways for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And the, the GM was like, yeah, we're going to, you know, yeah, go in, have a meeting, say goodbye. And and then move on. I said, no, 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 no. You don't do that. Mm -hmm. I said, you need a strategy behind this. You yeah. need to have a message for um, vendors. You need to have a message for um, the employees internally that work in his department, the people who don't work in his department. Um, you need a customer message. So you have to build all of these messages to take care of all of these different, um, all these different stakeholders, these different publics, right? Yeah. And um, 
and the GM said to me, I never even thought of that. Um, because take, for example, um, the, uh, the IT, you know, he could, that employee could have gone and, you know, taken, um, passwords and done things online and like, not that they would, but they could have, yep. they were vindictive. Right. Yep. And, um, so they had to communicate with those people and the vendors to let them know, Hey, even if this person no longer is, you know, associated with us, he has no authority, um, cause he's oh, been wow. yeah. multiple years. So right. where PR comes in is, is it helps us manage the message. Um, we've got something we need to communicate, um, and whether it's something like that, or whether it's, Hey, you're doing a great job, you know, yeah. let's, let's, let's yeah. focus on bright spots, right. Which is something that we love to do, right. Yeah. Um, you're doing a great job, but I need to tell you differently than I need to tell this person. And, uh -huh. and it's all about managing that message. Yeah. Now, the way that we get to how we define those different groups, those publics, those stakeholders, is by doing research. Mm -hmm. um, and whether it's informal, getting to know your team, you know, um, buying pizza, sitting down next to them, getting to know about their family, you know, that's research, right? Or whether it's by doing anonymous um, surveys or or you know touch point surveys or whether it's um, you do a a customer survey and and so you're doing research that's going to give you direction in how you need to craft this message what's important to this particular group so yes. all of that falls under this public relations umbrella right um and and so as a um, success coach, as a management coach, as as uh, somebody who's there to really help people be better at what they do. Ultimately, it's all about communication. How am I going to communicate this message? So being strategic, doing research, um, having a plan, and then following up with, you know, did it work? Great. If, if it did, keep doing it. If it didn't, you know, um, do it again. I tell managers um, and people that are that are communicating. I said, if you think you've communicated enough, double it and you're about a third of the way there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you have to continually communicate and the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And again, that's part of that plan, creating a plan, having a strategy, having a message. Yeah. Um, that's really where PR fits into this. I, I think that's so smart. And, uh, you know, I, I hate to break it to anybody who's in an industry who thinks that they're the one industry that's the relationship business. Huh. All the industries that I've worked in over the years, they all eventually tell me it, it's a relationship business. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's the one-on-one -on -one relationship with a customer. Maybe it's the, you know, the the whole entity having a relationship with the community or having a brand presence where they're they're trying to be engaging a relationship with their fans or whatever it is. It's always relationship. And to your point, uh, this is certainly something, you know, that we said when I worked for a PR firm, uh, rumors love vacuums. Oh, absolutely. so if I'm not messaging, you know, if I'm not the one crafting and planning that message of what I want to say with that particular relationship that I have with that person, that that entity, that stakeholder group, they'll fill in the details for me. You know, yes. um, yeah. I, I had a uh, I probably have told this story on the podcast, but I there was a client of the PR agency 
and this happened before I arrived, sadly, so I didn't get to see this all go play out, but it was a hospital. Their customer service scores just suddenly fell in the toilet. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why? You know, like they were doing their research. They were being good boys and girls and trying to find out how their publics were relating to them. And uh, they were relating poorly. And uh, it, it all, it turns out, it all stemmed from an ER doctor who had a patient come in who said, I want you to remove this tattoo of my boyfriend's name that's on my rear end. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, like, you know, of course, the ER is not going to handle that. But the way the ER doctor explained that, he just sort of left it at that. And this woman went through the community talking about how awful they were. And she was an opinion leader of some kind. And it was a, you know, who who knows how badly that blew up, but they had to go do some messaging. Yeah. They had to go do some messaging about, you know, here's why, you know, we, we, you know, for the sake of taking care of patients who have emergent needs, we do not handle things like this. And we refer you, you know, they had to come up with a whole messaging plan, Yeah, uh, but that just shows you, it's, it was the, the vacuum was there. They didn't go message on it. And, the rumor mm. filled it in. These yeah, guys yeah. don't care about us. They just, they, they send you away, you know, all the stuff that people say. Yes. So, yes. Oh, that's funny. But it, I mean, it really emphasizes the point, right? That um, you've, you've got to have a plan. And if you take it a step further, you have to have that plan in advance. Um, you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned NHRA and um, NHRA in, is an inherently dangerous sport. Right. Yeah. And so I, as the uh, publicist, the the PR professional in charge of a team and or in charge of a whole series, I literally had press releases, outlines, templates built in case somebody was killed, Mm -hmm. in case somebody had a bad accident. Yep. You know, and and I, I had all these because God forbid those things happen. And actually it did a couple of times. Um, yeah. and, and it's just, again, it's a dangerous sport, but you right. have to be prepared for those things. Right. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. You're going to do this. Let's practice, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and so in, in that case, um, hopefully, you know, your agency as they dealt with them, you know, they, oh yeah, we know how to handle crisis, you know, boom, 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 boom. This is what yep. we do. we put the information out there. We're transparent. We do all these kinds of things and, but it's being prepared and a lot, that's where you see a lot of bad press yeah. happens because people are just unprepared. They don't have a strategy, which is where a PR professional could really help them in that situation. Yeah. And, and crisis PR, I mean, that's that's something that literally every organization now has to think about. And I, I took a class in crisis PR, you know, and this is in the mid 90s. Um, and it happened to be the the, the man who uh, he, he was actually the founder of the agency that ev- eventually hired me. Uh, but he was involved in the Oklahoma City bombing and some some things wow. where, you know, he he thought uh, long and hard about assassination attempts and and such mm-hmm. with uh, with a lot of our clients and executives and government officials. And I it, it, it always struck me that, you know, those were things outside the organization that were attacks of some kind. You know, they, these were crisis moments where we had to react. And and so often uh, you see organizations internally shoot themselves in the foot because they haven't planned on basic things. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
you know, one, one of the examples I give when I talk to leadership teams is uh, the DISC uh, profile uh, for uh, personality and, and uh, communication preferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everybody's got a letter. You're a D, you're an I, an S, or a C. And, um, and you need all four of those types of ways of thinking about things sitting at the table when you're making a process change, mm-hmm. a pay plan change, when you're, you know, doing, doing some big decision. Uh, because, you know, you're going to have to have some people that say, you know, what are we going to do? And some people that say, why would we bother changing? We need to research this. And some people that say, how will we implement it? But somebody better be saying who, yes, who is this going to impact? Who are we going to have to get on our side? Who is, who, who are the people that are opinion leaders here that need to help us roll this out? And if you don't have that and you think, you know, hey, we've made a logical decision. This is the right thing to do but you haven't taken the time to plan out a message yeah. for all those audiences, you're just in trouble. You're right. just in trouble. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things I, I teach my students mm. um, as, as we go through and I teach the strategies and the principles, right? Um, <clears throat> obviously the communication is key. And, and so we have to teach students to be good writers, right? We yep. have to teach them to, um, and, and that's that's being concise, being specific, um, using a particular style. We we promote a Associated Press style, but yes, um, you know I've got my AP style book, and you know I I still refer to it. I was trying to find something today, you know, yeah, um, just to be sure. But um, we teach them that, but we also teach them just the strategy of putting together this plan. What's my theme? What's my goal? What's my message? And and th- I have a master's degree in this. This is what I learned at USC was how to you know strategically manage this communication. Um, and I've I've been blessed to be able to use what I learned and actually share that with students, which is a lot of fun. Well, okay, so you you brought up writing, and I would like to talk just specifically about writing for public relations and mm-hmm. and what that brings to the game. Um, cause I, I think, you know, th- this is sort of where I envisioned this conversation would go is that, you know, we talk about, Hey, you've got to be planning your message. You've got to be thinking about the relationships with all of your different publics. If you're not, they're going to think about it for you and they're going to think negatively. So come up with a plan, be proactive. Yes. yes. The other side of that to me, and this is maybe more tactical, mm-hmm. but, um, I think writing for public relations and, and to some degree, journalism is just different from, the kinds of writing that you're experiencing elsewhere. And I, and I say this um, with a slight bit of professional pride in my PR background, that we were better writers than most of the folks that well, I, I yeah, absolutely. Know. Well, so, and I, Mark, I teach a class. Um, one, one of the class I teach, it's uh, it's actually a course, not for journalism majors, but we teach it here at Baylor. Um, it's called writing for media markets and, and it's oh. required by the business school. And what we do is we take this skill that we're talking about, how to write concisely, how to um, get rid of all the fluff, be be specific in what in what you're writing um, and write it briefly. Okay, so and and I'll get into that in a sec. But then how does that relate to communicating in a business sense, writing emails, writing reports, writing summaries? Yeah. And and the people who 
have that skill are the ones who succeed That's because exactly. they're able to get their message across, their ideas across. And I don't care whether you're a master at writing a prompt in chat GPT um, or whether um, you, know, you are a, a master at uh, creative writing, um, it still is not journalistic um, and, and it doesn't meet those things. It doesn't have your voice. Um, and, and that's really, I, I, obviously I'm teaching a class in, in artificial intelligence this semester, but, right. um, it, it still cannot take the place of knowing what good looks like. And, and we have to teach students, um, whether they're, you know, your students or my students, because they are your students when you're coaching and consulting, yep. um, whether we have to teach our students how to communicate. Mm. Um, it, it's really interesting. One of the first things I do uh, when I teach this class is I say, I, I just want to get people writing. I, I want to get the kids writing. So I'll say, you know, write a story about something that happens um, over the break. Um, if let's, let's say I'm teaching this class this semester, write something that happened over, over Christmas break, just write an event, something that happened. And I will literally get um, two pages, no paragraph breaks, one complete, you know, this is, and, and then I, great, thank you. I put that away. And then I, I, I totally blow up the way that they were taught to write, you know, the whole five sentence, five paragraph yeah. kind of thing that everybody learned um, in, in high school on how to write a thesis paper, right? I say, I'm going to blow up everything you know about writing. And once I blow it up, then I'm going to put the pieces back together. Uh, who, the what, the where, the when, the why, the how, and let's get into what really is important and get rid of the fluff mm. um, and, and make, you know, a, a paragraph in the kind of writing that we're talking about is one sentence, maybe two. It's not five sentences, six sentences that are about this long, right? Exactly. It, it's short and sweet. And um, so... Um, and and so I go through the whole semester and I go through what 13, 14 weeks, whatever. And then at the end of the semester, I say, now I want you to go back to that thing you wrote <laughs> yeah. at the very beginning. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to look at what you just turned in and what you wrote at the beginning of the semester. And I want you to see how much you've learned and what a difference in the communication that happens. Because if you can put two things that you've written side by side together and say, I wrote that, huh? Yeah. I'm gonna go with this, you know, yep. and 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 that's where, you know, people don't pick up newspapers really anymore, uh, very rarely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you you might see somebody with a Wall Street Journal or maybe a New York Times, um, you know, or you know maybe a USA Today if you're at a particular hotel that has them, right? <laughs> and I don't even know if they do anymore. I I, right. you know, I don't think I remember seeing any, um, but but they still have to write that way. Yeah. Um, and let's, you know, people say, well, everything's video now. You know what? You want to know how to write a good, good script? Yep. <laughs> it's the same way. Yeah, we have a little bit different um, syntax and a little, you know, the way that we say it, but it still is good script writing, good video yeah. comes from having a great script or at least a great outline, which is the strategic part of what we're talking about. Well, and, you know, this is something that I think 
everybody intuitively knows is right, but they just don't do it when it comes down to actually sitting down to start writing or typing your message. But I, I remember my uh, my English teacher in high school, Mrs. Tyree. Hi, Miss Tyree. Mm -hmm. uh, she had a, a sign on the wall uh, that um, I later found out was by the guy who brought uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You're from yeah. Baylor, so this will, you know, we'll like appreciate this, but he's the first guy to publish uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Okay. And uh, he was a poet, uh, Robert Southey, but he, he said, it is with words as with sunbeams. The more they are condensed, the deeper they burn. That, to me, is the essence of what we're trying to do. We don't have very much time to get our employees' attention, to get our customers' attention, what have you. We have the short burst. We better just intensify and burn in that message we have. Well, the best way to burn it in is to be nice and concise, short and sweet, like you said, with your words. You know, active voice with your sentences. You know, Absolutely. one subject, one verb. Make it a strong verb. All the things that, you know, I'm sure you end up teaching in your class. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you just have this tiny window. And so yeah. you you better make use of that window. Yeah. It's just hard to do. <laughs> it is. And, you know, I, I would add something to that. Um, at least to the practice of it and say, if you want to be a good writer, you have to write every day. Oh, yeah. You, you yeah. absolutely. And, and it all comes to practice. You know, that's why professional athletes practice, practice, practice. They'll practice 10 hours to get one free throw, right? And, right. and you know, um, they'll, they'll do thousands of free throws just so they get in the game and they get that one shot that wins them the national championship, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, I could say national championship here at Baylor because we've won one of those recently. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> but um, you know, it, it but it comes down to practice, right? Yeah. And 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 you take it outside of. Let's take it outside of writing. Let's take it into this whole communication and strategy, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to be a good strategic communicator, you have to have a plan, and you have to write those plans, and you have to think through it. It's practice, practice, practice. All right, so practice. Uh, also study, study mm -hmm. some of the greats. And mm -hmm. um, there are certainly PR campaigns out there. Uh, there are companies that are really good at it where you could study their planning and, and their their mm -hmm. strategy. Uh, what about studying writing, studying good writing? Do you, do you uh, suggest your students read oh, good? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, I mean, honestly, what I'm thinking in my head, and uh, I, I don't know, this is maybe off the cuff and I, I shouldn't say it, but uh, Raymond Chandler. Uh, okay. The guy that wrote The Big Sleep and a bunch of other, you know, hit, just, you know, absolute hit uh, private eye novels. Mm -hmm. he, he, I mean, he's he's an American, you know, genius. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. Just, just the golden age of, of those detective stories. Sure. Um, he was, a, I think he was like an investment banker or an oil. I mean, he like he had he had a business uh, line of work. And if you read his writing, it's just, I mean, you, you know, think private eye talk, right. You know, like yeah, just yeah. tells you the facts, you know, but yes. somehow manages to just communicate so much with his language, yes. but that would be an example of even in fiction, in literature, oh, there are, you know, things you can pick up. So, yeah. And, and, you know, that was one of the fun things about, um, doing the coaching and the consulting that, that we've done, mm. uh, is that you get on an airplane, nobody's bothering you. You grab a book, yeah. You no, know, you're not listening to music. Yeah, you may need to take a little nap or something. But yeah. I, I would I read through novels and novels and novels. Um, yeah. and you know, writers and, and I like the you know the the detectives so it's like Lee Child, 
or John Grisham, yeah. Harlan Coben, you know, those, those kinds of writers, uh, Vince Flynn, um, were, were truly, um, the, the, the writing style is what, what I really enjoyed. But again, like you said, it's, it's very succinct. Um, it's very specific. It yep. uses, if, if, if it's, a, if the word is burn, then use the word burn, right? Yeah. Don't, don't use smolder and don't use, you know, torch, yeah. use the word burn. Yeah. You know? um, and, and so, yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to read. And I have my students, um, another thing, another concept. Um, I, I want my students to be critical consumers of news. Mm. And, and I don't care where your bias is, left, right, up, down, middle, backwards, doesn't matter to me. But you need to get an idea of where news comes from. So we had weekly quizzes. We have weekly quizzes on um, current events. And they have to go out and I, I give them a couple of sources, um, you know, whether it's Wall Street Journal, New York Times or the Washington um, Times or Post or whatever, you know, and, and I say, OK, this week I want you to get headlines every day and then we're going to have a quiz. But they have to read, you know, the stories and, and get into those. So they're constantly being immersed in this style of writing. Oh, um, yeah. And, and that gives them, a, oh, this is what good looks like. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, that goes to what we talk about as coaches is, um, you know, we have to show if, if you're a manager, you have to show your team what good looks like. This is what good communication looks like. This is what a good job looks like. This is what I expect. Yeah. Um, and without knowing what good looks like, then you don't know whether you're there or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, some organizations that we talk to are, are small enough that this isn't a thing for them. But, um, you know, a bigger organization like the Associated Press is going to have a style guide. Oh, know, yeah. This is, this is how we write. This is how we abbreviate. This is the kind of language we want to see. Yes. Yeah. Well, but again, that's being proactive, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's it's how do we communicate our message here in this culture, in this environment? Yeah. NHRA has a style guide when yep. I was when I was writing. Uh, Baylor University has a style guide. Yep. Um, the the Baylor uh, Lariat, which is the newspaper student newspaper, has a style guide. Um, and I, I, Motorola had a style guide when I worked mm. there years and years and years ago. Oh, I forgot you were at Motorola. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, the tech group, uh, the plastics injection molding, there was a style guide that in injection molding we had, you know, that it, it covered um, what, you know, things in our industry that we would be aware of, you know, when you talk about press tonnage and things like that, yeah. you know, there's different ways to refer to that, um, that someone outside the industry wouldn't get. But if you're talking to that industry, you know, there's your style. So. Well, and there's another example, right? Like you, you need to think that through internally. We might have a way to talk about it. How do we say these product features to our customers? Yes. Because they don't give a hill of beans about all of our private terminology. In fact, they're turned off by it. I mean, we yeah. know this in the automotive world, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, there's all sorts of lingo that we've had to jettison so that we don't sound like jerks, frankly. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but so, so let me ask you, um, I'm, I'm going to switch gears to the, to the final thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, which is, you know, that the, the, the student work you've been doing is kind of a new thing. 
And while you've been doing that student work, we've sort of been switching over into Gen Z and and beyond. And now we've got this new thing uh, called these, uh, you know, language model artificial intelligence systems. Right. And so I, I guess I I just kind of want to get your take. You know, you're you're um, right there at the the front lines. Um, these people are going to be hitting the job market. Yes. And everybody is desperate to find good workers. Yes. I, I was literally just talking to, I, I can't say any anything that will identify it, but a very prestigious government agency. I was talking to somebody in management there, and he said um, he's almost, he's a few years from retirement. Mm -hmm. They can't find a replacement for him. They can't find people who are willing to work, quote unquote, and he had uh, he went through about seven different individuals where like that they just none of them have worked out. They've all sort of flamed out. Yeah. And so so I know that that's in the you know, in the water, that's in the ecosystem uh, that a lot of our listeners are dealing with and artificial intelligence is, too. So like what words of wisdom could you give us for, you know, what's coming with the, the generation and what's coming with artificial intelligence? OK. Um. So if what's coming with the generation, um, I think COVID really, really messed with us for a couple of years. Mm. Um, and I think it put us back. Um, I think we're just now coming out of, and it's been, you know, since 2020. So we're four years out really mm -hmm. since all that really took over, but students missed two years of their education. Yeah. We're valuable. And, and whether you're talking about, um, uh, elementary school or middle school or high school or college, there was a couple of years that were just ripped from their lives that the rest of us had and, and we didn't lose, right? So yeah. um, I would say that students today, they may be a little bit not quite to where you think they should be mm -hmm. um, because they missed they didn't it. didn't get it. Yeah, they just didn't get it. Someone took an eraser and went, Yep. You know, and it just made it go away. Yep. Uh, but that said, um, uh, I'm I'm really fortunate and blessed to be working with some very bright students. There, um, you know, people say, "Well, they don't want to work. They don't want to go to class." No, it, it's the same as us. They want to make a difference. All right, which you and I wanted to when we graduated. Yeah. I mean, I I remember having that conversation with him. I just want to make a difference, you know. I, you know, I was two two months into my job. I'm not making a big enough difference, Matthew. You just started. Give me a break, you know. You got it. You got to learn, right? Um, but they're they're motivated the same way we are. They want to make a difference, yeah. um, and they're willing to work, but they need to be communicated with. And yeah. Um, you, you circling all the way back around to the whole point of this conversation really they 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 want to they um who was it the was it nick saban it may have been nick saban don't don't correct you know don't kill me if i get this wrong but um he's been coaching for so long right mm -hmm. um and someone asked him to compare players from 25 years ago to players today, he said, well, the players do the same thing. Players back then, you just told them what to do. Mm. Today, you have to not only just tell them what to do, 
but you have to tell them why and how it's going to affect them and everybody else. Yeah. So there's, I think there's more information that's needed as managers um, of this generation. We yeah. need to make sure that we communicate and we can't get frustrated with them because what'll happen, they'll shut you up. You know, they'll get to that I'm out place. Yeah. And when you get them there, you know, then we've lost them. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I think that um, employers, when they when they get the good ones, they will be ecstatic because mm -hmm. these kids are brilliant. They have the benefit of the technology that you and I didn't grow up with. Yeah. I mean, the internet was something that came when you know we were just starting our careers, mm -hmm. whereas they don't know life without it. They don't know life without their cell phones, right? Yeah. You and I got a cell phone in you know, 2006 or 2007. It's like, hey, this is a cool toy, you know. Um, does it still make phone calls, you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, now it's it's so powerful. Um, so I, I think these students are brilliant. This, this generation is absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think they're motivated and they want to make a difference. Um, I, people have called them lazy. I, I don't you think- You don't buy it. I, I don't buy that they're lazy. I just think we need to communicate differently with them. Hmm. Um, and, and if we can do that, um, then you'll, you'll bypass what's considered lazy. Um, now artificial intelligence, that's, so that's, that's the first part. The yep. second part, artificial intelligence is, um, it, it, it's, it's, it's like this thing that we got in 2006, right? It's yeah. like the the computer that you're staring at right now that I'm staring at right yeah. now. Um, it's like the calculator that my dad got in 1973, 1974, right? Mm -hmm. um, that uh, really um, changed his world. Mm. Uh, computers, you know, all the, heck, there's, I, I got a typewriter back here um, that was my grandfather's, you know, it's one of those old typewriters. Nice. You can't see it, but up over here in the corner, I've got a Macintosh Classic, um, which ah. was in 1985, 1986. That's what I used. Yeah. It was cutting edge. That was a $4,000 machine right oh, there. You know? I remember the day when it oh, came yeah. into our household. It changed oh, everything. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's what AI is. Um, mm -hmm. Believe it or not, we've been using AI for a long time already. Um, anytime you would um, talk to Siri... That's artificial mm -hmm. intelligence or mm -hmm. Alexa. That's artificial intelligence. Anytime you would um, call up your bank and it would voice activate, that's artificial intelligence. So we've been using this stuff for a long time. We just didn't have a name for it, mm -hmm. um, or we didn't call it AI. We called it, um, you know, ugly tellers, whatever, you know, <laughs> um, you know those kinds of things. But um, AI is. It, it's not going to necessarily replace people in jobs, but um, a person in a job might get replaced by someone who knows how to use AI. Mm. I spent some time over the Christmas break um, talking with some of my automotive clients and I was shocked. I said, well, how are you using AI? Well, not really. We're not mm. really using it. And I'm like, what do you mean? Think about this for a second, and and let's we'll talk automotive. Just just yeah. a second, okay. So in the automotive world, can you imagine if let's say I I'm talking with somebody on the phone, um, and I'm having a conversation. There's 
um, voice to computer um, understanding. So it's understanding what I'm saying. And if up on my screen, as I'm looking at another screen here, up on my screen, it pops up um, as I'm talking, ask about this, ask about this. He might need to know this. He might want to know about this. Here's the sources for this. And building that as far as a model of communication, planning it out, giving me the resources like that um, so that I could have the, um, you know, let, let's say someone, someone's shopping for a Maverick, right? Um, and, and, hey, tell me about the Maverick. Well, the Maverick does this, this, and this. And, and up on the screen, it pops up and says, uh, tell them about the cost savings and how it compares to whatever. Well, let me tell you about the, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so it, it can guide people through. Can you imagine having that product on your computer? Yeah. Uh, or if, if you had it in, let's say, a parts department, um, someone calls up again um, and, and says, hey, I'm looking for a, uh, a headlight for my uh, 1974 F100, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it pops up and not just that, but ask him about the whole thing and whether or not his backlights work and, you know, yeah. and how we could... Can you imagine the upsells or the additional sales that could be created just by using an AI powered bot, which is chat bots, you know, using yeah. these bots. Um, and, and it shocks me that um, the, um, the companies, the dealerships are not engaging that um, mm-hmm. because it's out there, it's available. And, and if anyone wants to, um, discuss that more. I, I, Hey, call me, I'll walk through it. I'll work through it with you. Um, and, and, and help people understand and help people apply, um, AI as it exists right now, without even having to go buy something and build that stuff, but just using the basics in, um, writing a customer email. Right. Um, and, and they're not using it. They're not doing it. They're not there. You can, you can, plug in your uh, information from a CRM and you don't have to give specifics, but here's where all this data comes from. Here's what they bought. Here's a, you know, so give me a predictive analysis of, um, you know, what this person is going to want next based on they've got four kids. They've got this, they've got that. Their kids are these ages. Well, their kid's going to need a car and they're probably going to, you know, so you may have, you know, can you imagine how, how, much more effective you could be as a salesperson or as a manager saying, Hey, you, you can call the Smiths because they're ready for, we just got on the lot, um, a, a new uh, Jeep that uh, um, we can sell it to them for six grand. We're going to make a couple grand on it. And um, they're going to get into a vehicle for their kids going to be safe. And uh, it's, it's certified, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and those tools are available. Um, and, and we can customize those and we can build them in such a way without a whole lot of extra work to make people more effective. And um, those tools are there. Um, you don't have to take all these classes and all this kind of other stuff, you know, people trying to make a buck on, on all this. You don't have to do that. Um, but uh, I think that um, AI helps make repetitive um, things that you have to do repeatedly, it makes them easier by taking over some of those, um, tasks and yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So, 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 an, analyzing, um, helping you set some things up, but you still have your hands on the steering wheel and you're, you're still controlling the, the situation, the communication. And this goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning where I said, you got to know what good looks like, right? Yeah. You have to know what this relationship looks like. You have to know how this all feeds yeah. together and, and it can give you suggestions, but you know, it, it, it might suggest that you call them about this, this, and this, but you know, that person and it, you know, you know, that's not what they need. And so you disregard that and you make the message this way and you move on from there or yep. vice versa. So, I, uh, I won't go into a huge amount of detail, but, uh, we did a podcast episode, uh, sometime last year, uh, where I just thought, you know, let's see what happens. I teach a high school Sunday school class. So I said, um, I said, this is what an inductive Bible study is. Give me an inductive Bible study set of questions for Philippians chapter four. I think okay. it was what it was. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, it was pretty good, you know, like uh, it, it, it sort of nailed it. But here's the flip side is, um, you know, that uh, had to be tweaked first off. So I didn't take my hands off the steering wheel. It wouldn't have been, you know, good right out of the box. Right. And also the, the idea was to see if it could shake loose some things that I hadn't thought about so that I could go facilitate a discussion. Yes. It wasn't spiritual development for me, right? Like I, w I wasn't going to go to AI and say, you know, um, you know, uh, disciple me, make me a make me a better Christian. Instead, I'm saying, give me some questions that I can ask so I can wrestle with this particular Bible passage. Yeah, that's a whole different ball game. Absolutely. But I, but I love the way you you put that that it's it's going to take it's going to replace some tasks if you know how to use it, so exactly. you're better at your job. Exactly. And like I said, um, for your for your listeners. If they want to know more about that, or if you know they want to explore that, I would be more than happy to uh, to work with them on that. Perfect. And are you still doing? Um, I guess I should have asked you this point blank uh, before we started, but are you still doing like organizational coaching for absolutely. for companies that are looking for help? Okay, sure, so, absolutely. So uh, PR, uh, organization improvement, AI. How how can folks get a hold of you, Matthew? So. Um, I'll give you my cell phone number, which I don't mind giving my cell phone number out. Uh, and, and I'll tell you flat out, if I don't know the number, it's going to go to voicemail. <laughs> but leave a message, right? And, and if you leave a message, then I sure. can call you back. Um, but my cell phone 602, which is a Phoenix area code, 602-882-4290. You can text me. You can call me. Uh, my email address is mwb at matthewbramer.com two t's two n's m-a-t-t-h-e-w-b-r-a-m-m-e-r beautiful yeah. beautiful well i i hope uh, folks do reach out and uh i th this just it's so fascinating to me that we had a conversation about public relations and then we started talking about uh the next generation of workers and it ended up being a conversation about public relations you know that you've got to message with those people and say we're not just what we're doing but here's how and why Yes. And uh, and AI is going to help us do that. So the whole thing to me holds together. And I I just I'm glad you have a career in what you're doing. It's fascinating to me. Thank so. you. It's, it's it's a lot of fun. And I'm very blessed. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, our mutual friend, Mr. John Wolf, closes us out uh, every episode. So you're going to not hear it right now. But uh, right now in the background is some ukulele music playing. And John is going to take over. So, Matthew, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you. God bless you, man. Thank you.
And there you have it, another session of contemporaneous extemporizing from Mark and Mike. I know it's redundant, but consider who we're talking about. As always, feel free to share the ideas you heard here. No right to reserve, no permissions needed. Thanks. See you next time on It Doesn't Take a Genius. That's good enough.